0: I don't have the man on here, so they're gonna be extra critical.
1: I don't podcasts. care. I'm
0: gonna have fun.
1: Y'all I don't see a problem. I don't see a problem. <laughs>
2: okay. okay. Dang, what did I get into? Maybe I should have just stayed
3: on Twitter. <laughs> Instant regret. I should have stayed on Twitter.
1: I'm not <laughs> with them.
4: Black Alert. Black Alert. Black Alert. Welcome back Alert, another episode Alert, Black Alert, Podcast. Long live the empire. Alert, Alert, the Long the Okay. <laughs> You're a melanated reference to all things trek across all four quadrants. I am Marisha, and I'm here on the con with the Bridge queue, Shaniqua. What's up, y'all? You gonna say hey? Hey.
1: <laughs> grace is at casual grace. Hey, I'm I'm the one who's always singing in the background. That that would be me.
2: Raina.
4: Hey,
3: everybody. Velvet214. How you doing? André. What's going on?
4: We have a very special ambassador with us today, Mora.
5: Hello, everyone. and Thanks for inviting me. So how did you become a Trekkie, Mora? Actually, that it's not that many years ago I became a Trekkie. It's about six years ago. For, for reference, I was born in 1980. But uh, so when I was a kid, all we had was basically national TV stations and satellite TV if we could pay for it. And none of them showed Star Trek. So I never ran into it until I ran across the, the Kelvin Trek movies, JJ's Star Trek. And that's what drew me in at first. It's about six years ago I started watching. Then I went back and saw the original series and the movies. And then I kind of been jumping back and forth in it. Um since then and um, Discovery really pulled me back in and I I got back to, to watching the parts I've been missing, which is Voyager and Parts of the Next Generation. So Without JJ's Trek movies, certainly have the problems, but without them, I wouldn't be here. So for that alone, I'm I'm thankful they exist.
1: <laughs> That's really Sounds interesting. Good, you but... starting with the with the Kelvin timeline and having this whole alternate Trek as your start point, without any of the references that yeah. like, the rest of us have was... previously
5: was actually quite fun because I watched the two J.J. J. track movies and it might have ended there if I hadn't seen the whole debate about Into Darkness being a Wrath of Khan ripoff and then deciding I'm, I'm not one to let other people make out of my mind about things so I think I'll go back and watch it and now I realized hey there's a whole lot of movies. All right, I'll start with the first. And let me say, I do not recommend starting with the motion picture as the first one, usually. <laughs> you never start with oh, the motion picture. Good. You just
3: go straight to Wrath of Khan. Cause yeah,
5: man, I, yeah, in respect I should have. <laughs> yeah. Spark, who carried me through the whole of the motion picture, so obviously he's he's a favorite from, from that, <laughs> from the whole T.U.S. era. And then Wrath of Khan had, and I was just, I was just hooked. That's awesome. So uh,
4: when you reached out to us on Twitter, it was because we asked for someone that identifies as non-binary to come on the show, and you were the first person that everybody had in mind, probably. (laughs) Thank you.
5: Yeah, I'm very grateful to be here and to get this chance to to talk from. Like, I'm a bit unusual, maybe, because mostly when people think about non binary people, they think about maybe someone at Dira's age, actually, like a teen or someone in their 20s. I hit 40 this year, actually come out as non binary until a bit earlier this year. I didn't even encounter the term non binary until I was in my 30s. I just. I had always had this weird relationship with gender, like I was the same female at birth. I always knew I wasn't a boy, even though I did boy things and and guy things when I got older. I'm not a guy, but don't really feel like a woman either. So what am I? But I didn't really have a word. I didn't have a reference. I didn't know that there were any options except these two. And even when I counted the word non-binary, it took me a long time to realize or maybe accept that, yeah, that was actually me because I had been living my life. Even if the term woman didn't feel like it fit with me, I had been living so large a part of my life with it that realizing that it wasn't me, that there was a better word. It felt wow. it was a slow revelation. It was a process to go through. And that took some years. So how has Star Trek colored
4: your position or rather mm. your, your identification. Because a lot of times in Star Trek, we get there, they touch on these androgynous societies, these non binary societies throughout Trek.
5: I think actually, a lot of the time, it, it, it didn't really touch me in the same way because they were always other, like they were always aliens. They were never, well, me also, <laughs> but not quite at the same time. At least it did it didn't really move me as such. Maybe because it sometimes I felt like I, I couldn't I'm also a lesbian and I'm pretty gender non conforming a lot of the time. I don't know it, how to put this it just it didn't really was like it wasn't me on the screen. I remember the first time I really kind of connected with a human like the only one I really connected with was Spock. And that it's that half human, half Alienness, like I'm a Jewish person in a very Christian world, and that one where you kind of try to to make your identity understood Mm. and also keep your identity in a world that keeps telling you that you're wrong and you should conform to these other rules while maintaining your Jewish identity kind of resonated with me. But I remember, like, gender sexuality-wise, the first one that really hit me was actually Hugh Culver in... I think it's the second scene we see him when he goes with Burnham to confront Stamets about River being sentient and that they're basically torturing a person when they're doing these jumps with it. And you can see him walk down the stairs behind Burnham and he has this almost masculine power walk. And then with the discussion has ended and he's leaving, he almost twirls and chachets out of there. And that's quite (laughs) a... Going back and forth between male and female was something that just hit me so hard. It was like, well, there I am, kind of feeling when I saw him. Oh, like, goes in to show. on screen for five seconds before that, where he talks to Burnham about River, And it was just so also him being murdered hit me pretty hard. But like, he was the first time I, I felt like gender and sexuality wise that I could be in this future
4: that's that's a very powerful statement
5: because a lot of times people say
4: hey your representation is in the aliens but that's uh, not me
1: and also goes to show like the power of not just acting but being it's not just about you being comfortable in the things that you say or you being comfortable in the way that you look to other people but you also being comfortable enough to move the way you feel like moving even just being able to do something as simple as that is very powerful and something that a lot of people take for granted like that the way that you walk can be used to gender you or misgender you or persecute you something as simple as a walk that a lot of people don't even think about
5: yeah exactly the first time i see someone walk that way on star trek my next question is with the
4: introduction of adira
5: how did that make you feel? Nervous and hopeful because like when whenever they introduce minority characters, I'm always nervous about how they're going to get treated, but also hopeful. And the fact that that they appear to be like the role was human, they're not alien. I know we also have have Gray, that's apparently a, he's played by a trans guy, and apparently also in Canada going to be a trans trans man, but. Adira is human and non-binary, like they're not other, they're not someone else, they're us, basically. So it's like, and, and I was a bit disappointed when they were introduced by she, her, and like, but on the other hand, Earth isn't really a paradise anymore. It's not this ideal utopia, yeah, it's become isolationist. It's only when they, they encounter with Discovery now that they're beginning to open up a bit towards Titan and maybe later on to the rest of the Federation too. But they're not, like, the, the Earth that Dura grew up on has maybe not been the paradise we usually think of uh, Earth being in Star Trek. But but mainly I was like, I'm hoping they're going to treat this character right. Um And and at least as far as Adira is concerned, uh, I've been mainly positive.
4: Everyone's touched on the scene of them saying their pronouns and announcing who they are and not saying it's the alien, but their personal perspective, how they feel. Because you also notice that when they refer to Grey, it's he. Yeah. So I thought that was lovely.
5: Yeah, and, and actually one thing I wanted to say about, about Adira, it's like the the whole coming out scene where there's been a lot of discussion about whether this was well done or not, and a lot of people say that they would have loved for Adira to just have been referred to their, to themselves as they them from the beginning and not have this whole thing about it. And I, and I can see that, but as I said, Earth isn't really that paradise anymore. And also, comes across as this very private person who keeps things to themselves until they're they are certain of themselves and until they're certain of their surroundings before they start open up. And I'm not sure it would make perfect sense for that for that kind of person to be completely open about themselves from the beginning. But I really like the way it was framed. Like everyone has been referring to Adira as she her, including Stamets, and when Adira says well, I never really felt like a she or her, so I prefer they, them, and Stamets just go, okay, and that's it. Like, when we hear refer to them from that point on, it's they, them, even at the last scene where Colbert comes in. We have not seen Adira come up to him. We haven't seen Stamus tell him about this as far as we know. He doesn't know anything, but when he hears Paul refer to Adira as they he just rolls with it, just as Paul just rolled with it. It's like there's there's no argument, because for them, uh, and by them I mean in Cobb it's it's not a, a big deal for them, it's normal. Like, I misassume your pronouns, I'm going with this for now, and you, you say you prefer this, I'm just going with it. And it's not, basically, it's an underscoring of, it's not that hard. There's also one more thing in Adira's scene there, when they say, I've never felt like a she or a her, well, pronouns are not necessarily gender-tied for everyone. Like, by, there are non-variations that go by she, her, some go by he, him, no, some by go by they, them, some by new pronouns. But to most people, like, when you say, I don't feel like a she or her, what you're basically saying is, I don't feel like a woman, I don't feel like a girl. And, like, when you look at a deer, most would assume girl by looking at them. So basically saying, I don't feel like a girl, I would like something more neutral. And while I didn't find Trek when I was 15, if I had, had had access to streaming, like we do today, I would definitely have been all over the show. And I'm trying <laughs> to think of how much it would have meant to like 15, 20 year old me wow. to have that one saying, wait, you have another option. Even you don't feel like a girl. You don't feel like a boy there are alternatives, it would have meant the world. Uh, and, and I'm thinking that scene, yes, for those of us who already identify as non-binary, who already know, we might wish something else, but Star Trek is also for all the people out there who don't know who they are yet, and they should have a chance to get the vocabulary saying, uh, you have an option for it. you have the alternatives to the binary.
4: Uh, that's wonderful. Uh, personally, we have someone in my family that came out, and all my close family was like angry because they didn't, because they loved the person and they accepted, but it was always that slight. And I had to say, they them. Hmm. And until they decide how they want to feel, how they want to be identified, they them well, we can't buy this anymore. It's like, why you can't? Why, you, why can't you cater to them as though you did beforehand? Their favorite color is purple. I went in there and found the best purple Adidas, you know, swag gift I could find. And I was like, if you can shop for him, then you can shop for them the same way, with that same attention, with that same love. Because mm. at the end of the day, that's how they choose to identify themselves, mm. and what makes them feel comfortable. And yeah, there you go. That's all. It, hey,
3: that's all it really boils down to. Like respect other people. You know, it it may not be what you necessarily uh, want or think is okay or whatever, but that doesn't really matter. You know, we're we're all trying to just get through this life and, you know, just let people be who they are. Leave leave people to live their lives as they see fit.
5: Yeah. yeah. But also that coming out scene is, it would also make for a good starting point for a conversation exactly there. Well, what is non-binary? Like a lot of people can maybe understand trans man, trans woman, but what, because we're so locked into the gender binary western civilization that sometimes trying to communicate well it's like i'm not feeling like this like that whole coming out scene could be used as a starting point for conversations with family members and loved ones that doesn't understand what non-binary means and just can wrap the head around it
3: yeah i think that was a, a good way for them to actually do it that way because mm. that's What Star Trek has done in the past, like, them having that scene to set that up, that's classic Trek right there. At least it is in my opinion. Um, We're going to have this conversation, and we're going to go ahead and let you guys, if you need to use it as a springboard into something serious, then by all means, use it and then jump right on in. So I respect the writers for actually having the conversation. Between those two characters, and uh, yeah, that that was good writing right there, in my opinion.
4: Well, I'm definitely looking forward to how they develop that storyline, because we are receiving a lot of space dad interaction.
1: Oh yes, space dad. <laughs> I love, I love the gay dad. space dads. I love this little <laughs> found family. Um, we haven't had in Trek
4: since DS9. A- just a family unit on a ship. So I'm enjoying that aspect. And there's no family drama, it's just them you get these wholesome moments that it's like a palate cleanser before we get to terra firma. Terra firma. Terra firma.
3: Terra firma Okay. I, I know we're about to get off of that, so I'm just going to go ahead and say this. I did Wait. not expect any of that, but I'm shook. It, I was shook to my core. Boy. My edges were snatched. That. My Ooh. edges were
1: snatched. I, I need some regrowth. <laughs> Don't get too ahead of yourselves. We're going to have to talk about all of that.
4: Okay brief recap of the episode we open with some cool cinematics
1: and learn about
4: what's happening with Giorgio. there's some references to the temporal cords and a little nod to the romlin mining ship uh, next we get into this debriefing and i want to start here with this debriefing i'm gonna shoot at my captain saru saru is trying to play this by the books as though he has not learned that by the books it's not necessarily good for anyone. And I feel like this is a, as much as we have this reoccurring thing with Michael being a rule breaker, we also have this reoccurring thing with Saru trying to play things by the books after being shown desperately that maybe the books don't work. Eventually, of course, I'm going to call Azora. Azora gives the information that if Jojo jo can be saved, it's on this vacant planet and there's interaction between Burnham and... And Giorgio, we have Saru saying, "To hell with Giorgio, the needs of the many, <laughs> ain't nobody gonna miss you." <laughs> oh wow! That's how I
1: felt. That's how and I felt. You're, you're not wrong, but yeah.
4: He was like, "Oh, such a pity, you are gonna die, huh?" Well, that's not our problem. <laughs> that's how <laughs> I
3: feel. They clearly like, don't like each other uh, from the moment she stayed on disco in their universe he's
4: like oh boy boy." uh, we get hints at Admiral Vance's life inside the burn him admitting I've made plenty of wrong decisions and I've had to live with them don't go down this road so uh in those interactions what stood out to you guys
2: I think it's funny how you know you know Saru is like Mr. Protocol Mr. By the book, and Vance tells him, "This is not how it always works. Unfortunately, we have to make the tough decisions sometimes that are not written in the Federation manual that you've studied." And he kind of reminds me of Boimler from uh, Lower Decks, who's obsessed <laughs> with got to mm-hmm. do everything by the book. And I think it was the second or third episode where. Uh, they were doing their time, their uh, tasks, and they had their time, to, you know, they, they institute this new time thing, and uh, everybody's like freaking out, and he's having a great time because he's used to order and everything being, you know, one, two, three, versus this is not how real world works, and we have to sometimes jump out of that bubble. And I really enjoyed that moment. And also I gave a little side-eye to Vance. And it's like, oh, so you just want to be told in the future what's going on. I Which I get. You know, you don't want to be in, in, in the black. But also, how far does this go with a lot of the decisions Michael has made uh, or other characters on our show have made to not follow the rules or to bend them a bit so that the overall needs of the many are taken care of? Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
4: What
1: about you Grace? Uh, I absolutely agree with what Reyna was saying. One of the things that we seem to forget or at least you know it slipped my mind for a little bit is that Saru is still a very young captain in terms Mm. of where he is in his captainhood or whatever you want his tenure as captain however you want to put it like and he didn't come to being captain after being Uh, a first officer for a long period of time and then promoted to captain after having all this experience under another better captain. He didn't have that sort of, you know, captain school, captain kindergarten, captain nursery, the benefit of that, that so many other of the captains that we've seen on Star Trek have, he's still very new to this and he hasn't had the opportunity to see another captain make those mistakes and learn from them. So he in turn doesn't have to make those same mistakes and learn from them. He is still very much by the book. And I think it's good that Vance is trying to step in and take that role and show him that you're not always gonna get things done by the book. By the book isn't always the best way. It's okay to bend the rules a little bit and bending the rules may get you a better result. Now the issue comes later on in the episode when he We ain't there
4: no, oh, yet. We ain't there yet.
1: We ain't there. Yeah, go ahead, Dre. We will come back. <laughs> yeah,
3: this it's surreal that this is what makes me want to throw things at him. Uh I get it, you're an alien, you're a new captain, but bruh, use your instincts, use your heart just a little bit. Just <laughs> come doing? on man. Just just break yourself out of this. We gotta do protocol. But my favorite interaction was Giorgio with everyone else because the <laughs> crew, they see something's going on, and they're like, the whole uh thing with the glass in the mess hall, and Tilly walks up and she's like, Your hand, what was what, what was that with your hand? And she's my hand's perfectly fine. Bow. So <laughs> it, it just kind of went back to her being uh how tearing that she she is because the more people try to reach out to her to help her to comfort her just the meaner we see her get Mm -hmm. and she's just like no leave me alone before i cut you basically (laughs) basically so uh, I, i just thought that was absolutely fascinating to see that interaction before. We get into
4: the episode before we get to the good stuff, the good stuff. We have the relationship with Michael and Giorgio, where there's a whole lot of you're not my Michael or you're not my philip Philippa and that whole interaction where they care for each other and also miss the latter versions of each. so we get to this planet, this destitute planet, and we meet Carl <laughs> I feel like Carl is the cute i'm I'm so forward. Carl spelt with the cue because he wasn't answering no questions. He <laughs> you was on his time. <laughs> he was not for it. Or O at that point. And it's not a lot of people that, you know, when O's bearing her fangs that they don't recoil and he's like, You're gonna die tomorrow anyway. What's you want? <laughs> there's been quite a few speculations. I'm for he's Q. Well, anyone um, anyone else had any other interesting rabbit holes they went down after that?
3: He could be Q, but let's remember uh, Voyager showed us that there's also the caretaker type aliens. So the Q Mm -hmm. we know are not the only godlike omnipotent type aliens so it's going to be interesting to see is he Q, or is this a completely different alien species that we haven't encountered before the burn even before the burn we've never encountered these beings
4: uh, okay i'll ride with that i'll ride with that because we've encountered quite a few that had that omnipotent feel you know some people make whole planets just to be what they did wife That's early in season two, isn't it? Yeah, season two. Yeah, yeah. All right. This banter, and I love written word banner. It's beautiful. So we have this banner, and we're not even talking about the fight scene between Michael and Giorgio. The lighting, that wig, and those moves. I don't want to get caught by Michelle Yo in the (laughs) dog corner at night. (laughs) (laughs) I practice martial arts and. Them fists come fast. That's all I'm saying.
2: Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I mean, she was taking that poor bag was taking a quite a bit of a beating, and then you know, all of a sudden, slap came across mm-hmm. Michael's face. And uh, but you can definitely see where uh, Georgio is. She's tired of this. You know, Discovery cod, trying to coddle her, trying to make her feel better. She's just like, look. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. That's it. And she she has this quote, Taryn greets death every morning. And it's like, I wake up knowing I'm going to die. Battle is here. You know, I fight to the death. And it was very very fitting for what we see later on with the Romanesque outfits, which we will get into because I was floored by the costume design. Shout out to the team on Discovery for that because I'm going to need one of these outfits something one of
3: them God, so, God. Yes. and then i make up man
4: oh i just beautiful. anybody want to spon- sponsor one of those cosplays i will wear it at my wedding because it was everything so we're getting there so JoJo uh, I... decides to go the looking glass because that was a very much a through the looking glass moment for me and it's all hail her most imperial majesty Mother of the Fatherland, Overlord of Vulcan, Dominus over Cynos, Regina Andor, All hail Philippa Giorgio, Augustus, Eponius, Centauri. That was
2: That was a mouthful.
4: <laughs> that that title was wild. I was like, oh, they going
3: through the whole thing.
2: Oh, okay, Mother of Dragons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <made me> very <laughs> Khaleesi. <laughs> you know, Game of Thrones vibes. I love the connection towards the Roman Empire there with Augustus slash Octavian. Um, I did some research on Iaponius, which apparently is linked to Japan. So there was some nod to the uh, Japanese Empire there. Um, but yeah, she, she just rolled in like, <laughs> I'm here and mm-hmm. bow before me. And it looks like everybody seemed to be having a little bit too much fun on the <laughs> ship. And, you know, you could tell that everything has been lax and too much excitement going on. And she rolls in and is like, uh-oh, here she is, you know. Yeah, everybody's um, tightening up real fast, and, real quick. And uh, then we see, you know, Taryn, uh, Mira Michael, and the Hello Mother. It's just the way it came off. It's just like, Hello Mother. Reminded me of um, the, uh, the Wicked Stepsisters and Cinderella. Lady Tremaine, very,
4: you know, sinister, yet... Let me keep in line really quickly. Uh, What I noticed that for all this growling and her way with words and that fire that we are used to seeing when Philippa graces the screen, Giorgio, when she gets back into her element, she shook for a second. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I
3: was
0: like,
3: wait, 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 wait. wait. It was shocking to see. Yeah, I thought you about this life. I I thought that was a great uh, that was a great contrast to how we saw her interacting with the rest of the crew. Like, let us come for you, and she's like, no!" And then she walks through that door, and she realizes when and where she is. Her face was just like, "Oh snap!" Not in Kansas <laughs> anymore. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It it was it was wild right
2: on no that was the that was best um she walked in and it was it was totally different vibes she was like wait a minute I'm not used to this you know I've been one the other I've been on the discovery getting you know hugs and and do you do you want to talk you know therapy and you know everybody <laughs> caring for her now it's like cut throat and you know she realizes that she's back in the situation where she has to make that decision with Michael and she's learning about the plot against her. It was very, you know, Julius Caesar. You know, who's gonna who's gonna come with the stabbing?
5: You know, uh-huh. where's it
2: coming from?
5: Why? Yeah. Um, I actually found it very interesting. Like before, Philippa goes through the door. She and Michael has these jab at each other, and, and Philippa brings up a very old one about Michael trying to save her because she couldn't save Prime Philippa, and it's. Pretty obvious Michael is beyond that now. Like she cares for the ex emperor for herself, as problematic as she is. Then, when we get to the mirror universe and Philippa realizes when she is and that her own Michael Listen. is not dead yet, she's the one who becomes desperate to save her own Michael. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like Philippa's almost projecting at that. Point that she is trying constantly to protect and save our Michael because she killed her own. She had to kill her own. And now, assuming any of this is real, because why are people assuming the world on the other side of that door is even real? But assuming that she's trying to change the past, she's trying to keep her own Michael alive.
4: I think that speaks to how much she's changed. Yeah. Yeah. Because... Yeah. In the past, she made decision. She killed Michael. And there was no doubts about it. Death before dishonor. That's what we doing here. So for her to change and want to save Saru, want to save Michael, and you can see her thinking change, mm. which is I won't say character development, but it gives you hope that after experiencing the alternative, she feels that something can be better
5: yeah i think maybe these this two parts actually to show both her as a character but also us how much Mary philippa has changed and that she doesn't belong in the Mira universe anymore mm.
3: Mm. yeah and i i just thought it was um also really interesting how everyone even though they're like oh it's the emperor people a little closer to her like Michael, they were kind of like, something with you is suspect right Right. now. You, Mm -hmm. you a little unfamiliar. I don't, I don't don't like how you're moving out of these. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) you, you not moving like you usually move. Your, your swag is kind of gone right now. What's, what's going on? It was really interesting seeing her kind of maneuver with mindset it is that she has because she's not all, blood
4: daggers and, and teeth at this point wow. what I thought was interesting was her choosing to save Saru
0: Yes.
3: You what
4: going to be soup that shit. <laughs> <night. laughs> she has been told about making him a soup for two seasons yes mm-hmm. so for her to stop that process and say oh he was yours well I'm taking him back he mine nah. and then to look at him and say hey you not scared tell me what I want to know you don't sense any death coming to you from me.
0: Because didn't she say before that scene that she needed to move differently? So it was like, okay, I need to I need to figure out some new moves here in order to save myself in this situation. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I think that's another reason why she was like, okay, not only was she saving Saru because she changed, but it was a it was also a chess move,
4: three steps ahead. Maura, what do you think?
5: Yeah, it was part about uh, Saru. Also, I think it's, she's, yes, there was a chess move in that, but she's constantly also rationalizing her emotional decisions, like her decision to jump into the future with Michael and the rest of the crew, Uh, in spite of the power base she's begun to build in the prime universe, was justified with well they would have settled me with bureaucracy that would have been boring now she has a rationalization for saving saru in spite of prime saru not being willing to save her not that many hours before like she has a a lot of emotional decisions that she keeps rationalizing one way or another
3: and i think in the back of her mind she's telling herself this isn't an emotional decision. This is me yeah. trying to totally. survive this. There's, there's, okay. It's totally not emotional, but you see it on her face and in her mm. her her mannerisms uh, that it is very much an emotional decision. Subconsciously, but consciously, she's keep she keeps telling herself this is something I would have done anyway before going to the other universe, <laughs> oh, yeah. and yeah. it's just not really working.
4: I I think it's nice that we get to see her struggle with what the prime universe has done to her these emotions and she you can clearly see in that society emotions mean nothing they have no nothing seeing that change I think is interesting Reina
2: Uh yeah it, uh, another scene that really got me was when George Emperor Georgeo and and Mike you know Mira Michael is sitting down you know in their nice regal uh chairs and discussing what's been going on and getting a little catch up. And Michael says that she went to a planet, Kepler, and she wiped out the people. You know, she she literally had this power move where she just said, Well, yeah, I killed them all. And you can see Georgia's face go, Wait, what? You know, <laughs> it's like she's not there anymore. Her headspace is not in this emperor Conquer and divide mode. Definitely, it, it, small little things like that definitely are telling. But she's trying to keep her composure. She's trying not to break out, you know, and be discovered. That you, hey, you're not the right person here. <laughs> um, I love that entire scene. It, it was it was great, and um, I loved how you know her knowledge of the Vaharai uh, Saru was very telling. Yeah. Um, so how did you know about this secret? Uh, how did you even know the word? The, the word, exactly. How did you know about this? This is only between my kind. How did you know about this experience? You know, the, the look that Saru gives uh, is like, oh, okay, this might be different. And uh, I really enjoyed this uh, this scene and uh, these moments. Uh, Shaniqua?
0: One of the things I want to kind of piggyback on what Raina was saying, because in that scene, Michael is just straight ruthless and just evil, because, like, in that scene, these people were painters and sculptors, but she, you know, gals their eyes and their hands. They, they would never be able to sculpt again, and she said, "The price of their works will now be, you know, their work will now be priceless, or something like that." And I'm like, "Wow, like, she is terrible." And it to me, I didn't, I view, didn't view it like that.
4: that. You didn't view it like that. I didn't. Yes, the, I view the action as terrible. Let's get that there. But I thought it was spiteful to Giorgio. Like, yeah, you like their work. Well, guess what? You'll never see another piece ever again in life. Look what I did. And tell me I did wrong. It was a challenge. Like, tell me I did it wrong. You can't.
0: Oh, see, I didn't even consider it that way. But my point was like, SMG, like her acting skills, because Mm -hmm. exactly like (laughs) when she's michael burnham she almost has this motherly quality about her and i think that's because she grew up without a mom and she tries to mother everyone and be super emotional and be everything to everyone and then here in this mirror universe she literally is just like evil and she plays it so flawlessly it's like Wow, I was that that scene and the scenes we're going to, you know, discuss later. I was just like sitting in my bed, like just hunched over, like oh my god, like I thought I was, oh. like like I was watching a scary movie almost.
4: With that saying, how these actors are like serving us high quality talent, honor guard, the honor guard, no speaking parts, just ass beating and I was here for it. <laughs> the the dress, the garb, the face, the everything. I don't think it can get any more beautiful than that cuz to command a scene with never without ever saying a word is so beautiful. Reno, how did you feel about it? Hot. <laughs>
2: Just straight hot. Like I was very thirsty watching this scenes. Shout out to Owell. Like just looking fabulous. Ooh. And my locks for that. even even Detmer was looking snatched. Like everybody was just looking great. You know, the the lighting, the costume, the you know, the, the, the eyeshadow, the golds and the blacks and the red love it. Uh Colbert with his red sticking out. I love that. Mm. Um you know, a little bit different from everybody else.
0: You know, he's got to be a little snazzy. Shout out to
2: Wilson Cruz. <laughs> but definitely, yeah. I mean, just moving with with just power and authority. It and was awful. great. Ah, uh, it was just fantastic. And of course, when uh, Emperor Giorgio gets fitted for her ceremony, she's got her puts her robe on, and it's this beautiful gold and black, you know, robe and this beautiful headpiece, which I need it. I need I it. Know, I know somebody on Etsy
4: done made one. Uh... <laughs> I've been looking at it for three months. It doesn't have the headpiece, but I do need that headpiece. Somebody, a... somebody has it. And I need I'm that. I somebody need is that. making it. Gorgeous, Mora. How did you feel about the pageantry and the beauty that was going
5: on? Well, like I said on Twitter. <clears throat> Take me down as scared and horny. <laughs> yes, <laughs> damn. yes, yes. Because it's terrifying, but also, oh, damn, there's way too many hot ladies on that show. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> like that scene with Owo and Burnham at the end, like, oh. there oh. Need to be a fanfic from that one, definitely. It'll be yeah. on Tumblr soon. Watching that scene, and I'm like, how
3: did they do this? How many outtakes was this? Because, yeah, I, that scene just took me to a whole nother realm of <laughs> being a lesbian. I promise you. I just <laughs> was like, I need this Ooh, in yes. my life. Thank you, everybody. I appreciate it. So, oh oh look, we would have podcast. this where you go? This episode made me really thirsty between Detmer, Giorgio, Owo, and, and and Burnham. Yes, the, yeah. <laughs> Lesbian Dre is just overwhelmed with emotion.
1: Yeah.
4: Grace, <laughs> how did you feel about that honor guard outfit?
1: I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Sorry, right. I had to catch my breath a little because that's this scene. If there was any question. As to whether or not I am as straight as I thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff to, like this that makes me go, oh, you you definitely not straight, baby. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but here we have something that was deep breaths were taken. I know AO3 people are taking notes. And I said in both of the threads that I did... Please, AO3 people, if you want to give me some fem slash with Owo doing her Judge Dread thing and at some point her and Michael get in a fight, I am here for it. Just write it. I will read it. I will read it again. I will share it with everybody I know. It, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Everybody looks so good in the Mirror Universe. So good and so evil. And I'm, yes. I'm and speaking of fights, out.
3: the fight scene between Reese and Owo... She, it was funny because Michael's like, looks like there's about to be a changing of the guard, and JoJo's like, no, she's fighting for honor. She's the captain, which Owo oh, well, is the captain of her honor guard, right? Yeah. So she's can be trusted, right? And she's like, I, as she's fighting for honor, and we saw her about to kill this man, but she was like, okay. Just stop. We gotta get to this Cert Du Giorgio for my new ship. So uh y'all f- kill each other later. I think Michael says that y'all can kill each other later. And so way. we don't see Owo finish the job, but man, that was another yeah, I, I had whole what new I... <laughs> respect and hot flash for her.
4: <laughs> what I found interesting was um the fact that Giorgio told Michael, you know, she's fighting for honor. She had no doubts in O.O.'s trust. Even when Kelly was like, uh, I want to talk to you in prop, she's like, nah, they can be trusted. And yes, I said Killy because she was giving me all the bat vibes with that hair. <laughs> like, <come laughs> the side swoop. Bang, that bang. that, bang, bang. that side bang. bang.
0: The bang. With the with beretta. Bang. Beretta phaser. Just the like, bang. what's up? You know.
2: Uh, loyalty always wins, Giorgio says, and as you know, oh, it was over there pounding Reese on the floor, and it's like, oh yeah, this is this is what I like, and this is how it's gonna be, and don't don't get it twisted, Michael. <laughs> I know <laughs> what's I going on. Yeah, exactly. I know what's going on, and uh, that was
4: sexy. Thought
3: about that. Uh, it a really sexy episode through and through, man. Oh am goodness!
4: Everybody was sexy in that episode. Just even them in the, I guess that's the mess hall, you know, acting out. Everybody looked good. Everybody, I didn't know whether they was for the fight or have sex. And I was kind of curious to watch. Wait. I mean, uh, it's the mirror universe. They
3: can fight, have sex, and then go back to fighting. Like, that's not just. Clean up. Like, that's how Terrence like- rolls. Uh, you
1: know, grace and the thing about the universe everybody in the mirror universe just looks good to, with the d and the t on the end everybody looks good Culber when he showed up with the red what? the red for the medical officers mm. that we have never seen before the mm. mirror red officer uniform hello come through come through Hiya. he also had that
3: fire eye shadow makeup going on everybody, yes. with, the everybody yes. with the eye makeup everybody with the eye like, I don't want to be an extra in the Mirror Universe so I can look that I, good.
1: I just I, want, I need to. <laughs> no, but like, just getting away.
4: Star Trek, listen to us. Make this happen. You want to be extras in the Mirror Universe.
1: <laughs> there you go. There you go. Putting just it out away there. From the, the sexy side of it, because I know we're going to come back to it. Just seeing Mirror Universe, everyone, and I wanted to point this out because I didn't notice this until my my second or maybe third viewing of the show, but we have Mirror Landry. And Landry has been dead since season one. Like mm. Landry, I don't know if you remember, got eating grade that the Glenn was using to navigate their ship. So she hasn't been around in a while, but they brought back that actress to play Mirror Landry because Landry is still alive in the Mirror Universe and she's there. She's the one dragging the Kelpian all over the floor, telling them they'll be good for soup. And you may not notice, but that's not a new character. So she was in the back there looking good, looking good in her Mirror Universe uniform. And then another thing that I thought was really interesting in the background, we have human Arium. Yeah. Like, not the robotic half-cyborg Arium. We have human Arium in the Mirror Universe. And human Arium, that we saw in uh, her favorite memory flashback, Arium as a cyborg was played by Sarah Cheeseman in season two. So they brought her back to be mirror Arium. But the extra cool part is we also have original Arium who is now being played by the same actress that plays Lieutenant Nilsson. And I know y'all didn't see her the first or maybe even the second time around because Lieutenant Nilsen in the mirror universe has dark brown hair. If you look again, because I know y'all are going to look after this. She's posted up in the back with her dark long hair also looking good in the mirror universe. So we have a lot of people that may not necessarily be around in the prime universe, in the mirror universe, and they all look good. Everybody looks great.
5: Yeah, I
4: need that mirror universe workout plan, because I plan to be <laughs> snack. <laughs>
3: it says a lot, too, that because Giorgio not only went back to her universe, but she also went back in time, that we see a guard Owo, who the first time we see the mirror universe for Disco, she gets the axe, man. Ooh. She did. She got the axe. But seeing her and all her
4: glory, <laughs> yes, and, <laughs> and just hotness. Um,
1: <sighs> the thirst blink three, three times. <laughs> oh, okay. Step blink on three times. Okay. Step on. Me. I would lick that woman's boots, but that's
4: not it Neither Here or next. <laughs> <That's>... uh, <laughs> We have the hotness of the mirror verse going on, that undercurrent sizzle, and we have Giorgio trying to get through to Michael and save Michael, and then of course all of it fails. It's for naught, and we have this this scene, this declaration that you know I was king, I was queen of that trash heap. You've done nothing for me but make me small, and because someone made me big
0: that's what I'm rolling with how do y'all feel about that that was that scene I'm not gonna lie that scene hurt the mess out of me it was triggering because it was like to me Michael still didn't realize that she was going to be in Lorca's shadow in my opinion it's like Mm. okay so that, and that's just my opinion, y'all. You know I'm new to this. So it's like, okay, yeah, you were queen of that trash heap. So you'd rather be in a trash heap than, you know, reporting to someone that actually had love for you in some sort of way. And Lorca is definitely using her. And so I just feel like, I feel like this, this, it was painful to see because even after everything, Georgia has this sincere love for Michael, and Michael mm. betraying her like that. Even though it was interesting and cool to see, it was like ouch. Like I felt that pain. I don't. I don't know if I'm just getting too emotionally involved, but I was like, wow. No,
4: I didn't. I saw that too. For me,
0: no matter where you are, Mirrorverse
4: or Prime, you all you see. Fill up a grooming Michael for a takeover mm-hmm. whether it's the ship her own ship or prime direct the prime so I don't know why she didn't see that you know yes you were queen of a trash heap I didn't feel like that was a, a valuable anger there I was just like okay so this is what penis makes you do
0: yeah uh, <laughs> <I'm> dig-, <laughs> dig my time. <laughs> Seeing Mara and Dre,
4: y'all don't have to worry about that. <laughs> but, yes, they do.
5: Uh, <laughs> Mara? Yeah, it, it it made me actually think about also Prime Michael, how both of them, Mara and Prime Burnham, doesn't like having positions. They don't feel they earned. Like Burnham has worked her way up, first in the Vulcan Academy, then in Starfleet, she declines the chair at the beginning of season three as captain because she feels she hasn't earned it. She doesn't belong there. The reason Mira Burnham is acting out against Philippa is she feels she's been handed it out everything. She might, it might have been a trash heap, but she was queen there. She has earned her way up. She hasn't earned her way up in the empire. Philippa handed it the whole thing. And that's really her problem. And that's why she can't I think if 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 Mira Philippa had made her work for it, their relationship would have been different. I think that's fair.
1: Grace? Um I I agree with what Mara's saying in regards to Michael not feeling that she had earned her place that she had been given and just like she said she was queen of that trash heap it was her trash heap she would rather be a big fish in a small pond that was her pond than a small fish in this big pond that she has no idea what to do in and doesn't feel that she belongs in like so I get that she's angry about that but also what you said I mean like you get a little and then you lose your you lose your mind, you lose your focus and you're just attaching yourself to somebody else. How is that better? Mm-hmm. You're trading one yeah. not great situation for the other for another when like what you really want is to stand up by yourself on your own two feet. So what does she need Lorca for, really? Like yeah. I really like Mirror Burner to be more on her own. Go ahead, Ryan. Yeah,
2: and this whole scene brought me back to uh another movie that I, I quite enjoy uh, Gladiator uh with Commodus and Marcus Aurelius uh his father. You know the son's crazy and he's a psychopath and the father's more of a philosophical type person. And this uh do not confuse growth with weakness line that Giorgio brings out is just because you see me change, or there's some instance of uh, a different way that I'm I'm rolling, that I'm I'm working this scenario doesn't mean that I've completely lost my touch. Uh, and I, I kind of felt uh, that that was a very important factor for Giorgio. Just because I, you know, slide differently <laughs> or work you know navigate the streams differently doesn't mean I'm I'm completely not worthy of this position also michael is trapped in some way in this need for approval mm. and and I, I think that's prime and mirror you know this need for approval somewhere instead of relying on her own abilities yeah so that's it was a great, uh, it's a great part.
4: What upsets me about Michael's character is how how they pit her in this treacherous role in both universes. No matter the universe, she's in this tre- treacherous role. Mm-hmm. And Prime, I, I kind of understand more. Dre, what about you?
3: Um, You know, it just kind of... Well, this, this episode, I think the main theme that they've been trying to hit on is what's really strength and what's really weakness in this particular episode, because we see Giorgio back in her own original time and, and place trying to get back to something that she's not really familiar with anymore. And we slowly see the realization that we might have been going about our exploration and our conquering of other worlds and other species kind of the wrong way. Maybe there is something to the way they I saw things being done in the other universe as opposed to always projecting this idea that you have to be strong and you have to be treacherous and all of that stuff to have power, to have respect. And I think in a way, she didn't realize how tired of that life she was constantly having to look over her her shoulder and and all of that stuff. So I I just think we're going to see that. And judging from the previews, I think we're going to see that that's going to come to the forefront of her mind just a, a little bit more and she's just going to get back to that whole changes in weakness and they're going to kind of play on on that theme a little bit more which is fascinating to do with a character like Giorgio who we see is is torn the same way we've seen Michael torn from the beginning of the show um Michael just coming from these two worlds and now we see that with Giorgio at this point
4: I do like how they play the duality. I hate that uh, Stamus just can't get a break in, in either <laughs> universe. He just, how many times you gonna get shanked, dude? You can get blew up, shanked, threw into a warp core. Can he survive in either God one of these
1: universes? Time. He just, wow, he's just not Ooh. meant to normal at all in any universe. Any universe. So I'm looking
4: forward to this. Uh, I'm looking forward with. I don't think we're gonna solve the burn within the next, with the last five episodes, and I'm looking forward for this part too and Giorgio just killing it because it's some very much some supreme acting going on. So with that, I think we just did a show. <laughs> Pigs aren't culture, aka Mora for coming through and blessing us with your knowledge and giving us these beautiful moments to think about
1: and putting up with our foolishness and putting up with our
5: foolishness. (laughs) I loved every moment of it. And thank you so much for having me. It's been a true joy being here.
4: I'm glad we all can have you that agree that uh, it was very much some hot ladies in the mirror verse. And I want to be one of those hot ladies. (laughs) You can follow us on Twitter at black alert pod, where We will engage you. And it probably won't be me. But it definitely will be one of them. (laughs) Shout outs. Shout outs. Shout outs?
2: To the costume design department. Facts. I'm kidding.
3: (laughs) Facts. (laughs) Costume. Makeup. And set design (laughs) too, man.
4: And the seamstress filling them and making them for the public. Because I expect to see it on Amazon very soon.
2: Plus size, if available,
4: please.
1: Please. Please link plus up. Etsy for the crown, when y'all find it, because I know y'all will find it. So please link the Etsy for the. Yes. I just want to wear it to
2: work. Congratulations! <laughs> and I'll definitely wear it get in my house. On your
4: engagement nuptials, there. Congrats. Future, future, future. When the pandemic is over, I plan to take plenty of photos. Please send me your ideas. I will share this part of my
1: life with you. Over, I'm excited. Most trekkiest wedding. I can't. I can't wait. Trekking Star Wars. Uh, please
4: follow us individually if you must. I am Commander at Trek. velvet two one four. sat and yellow.
1: At <laughs> I'm still waiting on Grace. I said it at Casual Grace. I'm sorry. Me and Sneak will kind of overlap.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and just keep trekking. Just keep trekking. Just keep trekking. Thank y'all. Wow. Bye. 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 Bye -bye. (laughs) Bye-bye.